You're watching Coping with COVID-19 with Chris Manners. Today's special guest is Sharice Dorsey-Smith. Hi, I'm Chris Manners and you're watching Coping with COVID-19. Today my guest is Sharice Dorsey-Smith. She's the Deputy Director of Programs and Grants at the Department of Children, Youth and Their Families. And she's here to talk to us about San Francisco's Community Learning Hubs Initiative, a program that's been set up to help some of our most vulnerable students during this pandemic. And she's the project lead. Ms. Dorsey-Smith, welcome to the show. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me. Can we start by talking about the Community Learning Hubs Initiative in general? What exactly it is, who it's designed for, and why it's so important during this pandemic? Yes, most definitely. So the Community Hub Initiative was developed to offer quality support for distance learning. We wanted to ensure that, um, you know, young people, their basic nutrition needs were met, that they had access to stable Wi-Fi, to digital devices, um, and that they were able to engage with their peers in a safe environment. Um, the Community Hub Initiative, or CHIES, how we like to call it, basically they support our most vulnerable and isolated youth. You know, our priority population was to really focus on youth that lived in public housing, youth that were in SROs, who were in foster care, or who were homeless. Um, and then we also wanted to make sure we were focusing on, and I love to use this because use this Maria Sue, who's our director, likes to say, give people the golden key, but to also focus on our African-American, our Latinx, Pacific Islander, and low-income families, as well as our English language learners. So that's a huge group, but it's, you know, it's the ones who, after um, receiving data early on in the process, was identified as those who definitely need the most support. A lot of our students, after we went shelter in place in the spring and March, by um, summertime, we realized so many were falling behind and were just suffering academically, but they were also suffering for a lack of social interaction and, and was severely affecting their emotional and mental support. And so we wanted to make sure that when we developed these hubs, that it was to address all those needs and to offer those supports and resources to, to the youth. How successful have the community hubs been? How many have opened and how many students have been helped? I'm sure there must have been some challenges too. Uh, issues such as staffing and technology come to mind. Oh, definitely. But for the most part, the hubs have been very successful. We've been able to open over 80 hubs across the city, um, ranging from, I'm gonna say, you know, uh, one pod, which is about 12 kids to five pods, which um, if there's 12 kids in a pod, we've been able to serve up to 70 at a site. We've served to date over 2,000 youth, um, but we definitely had some major challenges. It hasn't been all peaches and cream and smooth sailing. Definitely when we started off, just right off the bat, we had a huge hurdle that we had to overcome, being that um, we knew that there would be a higher demand than what we were able to supply and need to figure out a way um, to meet it as much as possible. And so initially we designed the hubs to serve, you know, up to 20 kids in a pod with a minimum of two adults. But then here comes the state of California who had much more conservative um, uh, a health and safety order than even what we had locally, because typically DPH, our local, you know, San Francisco Department of Public Health was a lot more conservative than the state, but they came in and said, okay, no more than 12 or 14 youth in a pod you know, maximum of two adults. And so those challenges, the staffing and, and CBOs having the capacity to, to meet the new restraints was a huge challenge. 
it's it's been it's been rough but it's 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 been so fulfilling like to see the smiles on the youth face to hear the testimonies from parents to even hear the CBO staff um, say, you know, we knew we had to do this. We had to make it work no matter what, like we were going to make a way. And so with even those challenges around staffing and capacity, we were still able to launch successfully in September um, with like opening 42 hubs to start, but like now we're at 80 and it's still increasing. Hopefully I'm bringing on a couple more in a few weeks. That's great. Now, you just mentioned uh, CBO's community-based organizations, and I understand the city's partnering both with nonprofits and CBOs. What's their role? Do they provide staff or space? How does it work? Yes. So um, in partnership with our rec um, and parks department and the libraries, that's where we get a lot of our space as well as our CBOs, our community-based organizations own brick and mortar spaces. So they provide buildings they provide the staffing we have rec and park staff who are standing up hubs who you know we have lifeguards and other folks coming in and being able to work with kids and then our cbo staff who traditionally you know run our out of school time programs during the school year and summer transition to being able to provide this all-day support um, and care which is similar to what they do in the summer they're the ones who you know have been able to step in and really um stabilize a lot of young people and um, support families. Um, they bring in, or they have access to, you know, mental health and behavior services. They bring in their enrichment activities. They bring in just the sense of family and community, which a lot of our youth, you know, um, definitely and families definitely appreciate. So we're in constant communication with each other. We're in constant communication with our um, our city partners, the Department of Technology have been superstars in this whole um, hub initiative. They've gone out and done all the tech assessments on all these sites in addition to our Comcast partners. Everyone has been phenomenal. This is the first time I've been in government for 13 years now. And to see how everyone was able to come together, the red tape was gone, all the barriers that we typically have just working in government, that all just like went away. And everyone was so focused on making sure that this could be successful, that it just turned out to a beautiful thing. And I think that opened up the door for even stronger partnerships and alignment, even beyond this pandemic. So I'm um, super appreciative of everyone who's been involved in this project. Finally, how long do you think the hubs will be operating? I know that a session ended in February and a new one's already begun, but do you think the program will be extended through the summer, perhaps to help some of the kids who've had trouble with distance learning during the pandemic? Yes, I anticipate the hubs um, operating throughout the summer and even into the fall. They're ongoing. Um, so even as the school district works to reopen, there's going to be a place um, for hubs for a while. Um, I think this is an um, opportunity or a model to um, change the way we view education and how we educate our kids. And so I definitely see the hubs being a part for a long term, um, hopefully not 10 years from now, but definitely in the next um, 18 months, the hubs will be up and running and thriving. Fantastic. You know, the work you and your team have done on this project has been phenomenal. And I want to thank you for coming on the show today. This has been really informative, Ms. Dorsey Smith. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again. 
For more information about the community learning hubs, visit dcyf.org or dial 311 and speak to an operator. And that's it for this episode. We'll be back with more pandemic-related information shortly. You've been watching Coping with COVID-19. For SFGov TV, I'm Chris Manners. Thanks for watching.